So. So, 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 so. We got that out of the way. Um, so, uh, the Buddha, the Buddha, the Buddha, the Buddha, this is called stalling until I open up my notes and remind myself what I'm talking about. Uh, okay, yes, uh, I'm talking about that. So, okay, so, uh, so the Buddha said that everything uh, that we experience in the mind, all the thoughts, perceptions, images, ideas, everything uh, is both um, impermanent, it changes, and also B, everything in the mind arises due to reasons or causes. Everything that we experience is, uh, is uh, what the Buddha calls a subject to karma. Karma simply means that things are caused by actions. So the things we experience in life, they don't come about by accident. Uh, the way the mind works is a, uh, a causal environment, which means there's reasons why we are happy, sad, angry, irritated, Comfortable, uncomfortable. And um, so let's explore this for a moment before I go on to the big subject. Uh, if we examine, the Buddha said in one of the wonderful suttas, the Anatta Lakana, if we focus in on just observing without interacting, just simply observing our feeling states, uh, you know, how, what's going on with the body's feelings, uh, and the breath, or if we observe, for example, the uh, the uh, uh, feelings. For instance, sometimes we hold uh, fear in our stomach, or uh, we hold uh, anger in our jaw, or we hold a, a sense of being uh, under uh, attack, or in our arms, or we feel a sense of loneliness or disconnection and a hollowness in our chest. If we note feeling states, somatic feeling states in the body, if we note the shift of our emotions and moods, if we note um, just the different sense consciousness that's flowing in, one moment we're aware of background sounds, the other moment we might be aware of the feel of the floor beneath us or the clothes on our body, or we might become aware of just the different thoughts and memories that arise in the mind out of nowhere without our requesting them. And we'll begin to see that if we just stand back and observe the mind that uh, all these things arise and pass without any invitation whatsoever. The good times pass, bad times come when we don't want them to. There's no thing in the mind actually uh, controlling it, minds are machines that create a parade of thoughts and feelings and emotions. And they do this as part of their survival programming. We're not programmed to feel content or relaxed. We're programmed to constantly be on edge, to constantly worry and plan. And The mind is a machine that just churns and churns and churns and creates and creates. And uh, without, if we don't intercede and help reprogram it, it just can just create uh, what the Buddha called papancha, just a constant flux and flow of overwhelming thoughts. 
So, there's no underlying solidity or thing uh, there. We'd like to be able to point to something and say, well, these thoughts or these feelings or these body states or this is really who I am. But when we really investigate it, we begin to see um, that there's nothing really that we can hold on to. Even those feelings that, like, I'm a sad person, an angry person, I'm a this or that. They're just tendencies. But they don't define us utterly all the time. No matter how angry we think we are, there's times when we're forgiving. No matter how sad we think we are, there are times when we wake up when we're not sad. No matter, our, even our strongest inclinations or tendencies do pass. In addition to that, uh, everything that we experience arises simply due to previous actions, previous ways we've used the mind. So, even if we have grown up in a mind that's uh, not uh, particularly greedy or self-centered, if we wind up in a point in our our life just acting out of fearful, self-centered, greedy, inclinations, we can experience a lot of that future state in the mind. We can feel cut off from other people. We can feel dissatisfied. We can feel uncomfortable. It's cause and effect. What this means, the changing nature of the mind and the fact that the mind is caused actually mostly by the way we use it rather than any ingrained programming is that the things that we point to, that we define ourselves as, the stories we tell about our personality, our self, that little unique autobiography that you carry in your mind. Yes, you. I'm talking to you. (laughs) The story of our lives that we carry around are, in essence, attempts to establish a foothold in a river of ceaselessly changing sensations, moods, emotions, thoughts. They're merely constructs, but they are, the Buddha said, they are, in essence, not true, in the sense that there's nothing in our experience that we will ever find that will provide us with any lasting personality or self. That doesn't mean that right now you don't have a self. You do, of course. It would be idiotic to say you didn't. We're all individuals. But that self is changing constantly. It's changing due to the way we use the minds, the actions we undertake. It's changing just because the mind constantly creates new perceptions, creates new feelings and new emotions. So the feeling that you walked into this room, the self that you were in at that moment, is subtly different from the self that you are experiencing right now. This is a very, very important observation that the Buddha made. Uh, He made this observation, by the way, um, some 
2,370 years, I believe, before the next Western philosopher got around to it, Hume, who said the exact same thing, that personality and self is an, is an illusion created by bundles of thoughts, emotions, feelings, but that they're actually changing. Um, this is important because actually the Buddha goes on to say that uh, rather than bring an understanding of ourself, the personality views that we carry around, the stories about ourselves that we tell, they're what he called fetters, yokes. We would roughly use the term ball and chain or baggage. Nobody talks about yokes anymore. We don't walk, go around with oxen pulling us. Or... But uh, the, the meaning is the same. It's something that um, is a weight that we carry around. Like so many other uh, second arrows of suffering, the things that we add on to life, we believe that these stories that we tell about ourselves are um, always useful, but so much of the time they're not. Not always are they unuseful, but many, many times they're unuseful. I'm going to go into helping you discern uh, the difference between a useful personality view and an unuseful one. But um, it's weighty. It takes... What it does very often is two things. One, when I tell a story about myself, I carry a strong personality view. I create a sense of uniqueness that makes me feel different and isolated from other people and makes it very difficult for me to share my experiences with others. The more I live in my personality view, what the Buddha called Sakaya Ditti, the story of myself, the more I'm caught up in that, um, the more difficult it is for me to reach out and share my deepest sorrows, fears, regrets, the challenges of my life. Because I will feel in some way, or at least believe in some way, I should say, that you won't understand because you're you're not me. I'm unique. I'm so, so special. <laughs> of course, uh, every day the amount of emotions that they believe that human beings are capable of shrink. I read a story of Glasgow scientists who said there are four intercultural, interpersonal core emotions that we all have. And that all the other emotions flow from these four. Happy, sad, fear, and anger. Know those? Anyone familiar with it? <laughs> and that the rest all are micro-divisions of them. But in base, uh, we're all working from them. A really, even if there's a few more, Ekman said we had like seven. So it doesn't matter whether you believe you have four basic emotions or seven. We're all working from a pretty fucking small color palette of emotions. 
we're not painting our lives. From, nobody has like a, a, a hue that's different from everybody else's. You might like to believe that you feel an emotion really strongly or differently than everybody else. But it's, you're working from the same four. <laughs> Are we really so different? Even if we examine the thoughts that run through our head, as Dawkins, the philosopher, showed so persuasively, thoughts are means. They flow about through cultures. Also, the wonderful philosopher uh, Foucault used the term epistemes. And I knew you came here hoping that the guy who was going to teach you about the Dharma would talk about 20th century continental philosophy, but... Okay. <laughs> but, so, we, we're constructing our ideas from, I, from our thoughts from ideas that are floating around. You don't have original ideas. You just hear little epistemes, little memes of thoughts floating about, and then you grab onto them, you latch onto them, and you put them together in neat ways, and we think, oh my God, my thoughts are so special and unique. <laughs> and it's funny if you, uh, well, for me, I actually listen, I've been teaching that for 10 years, I listen to those talks from 10 years ago, and I can hear back then in my, in the things I said, some of the ideas that were in vogue a decade ago in Buddhist circles. That are no... What? Okay. <laughs> so, uh, we're all, uh, we're all um, susceptible, and we're, our minds are made up of little uh, ideograms, memes, epistemes, ideas that are floating about. And when they go out of vogue, they go eventually out of our minds as well. And then new ideas float through. And so uh, this story of being so unique, all it is is a fabrication that keeps us isolated. And another thing personality does besides keeping us isolated and unable to share our lives in a meaningful, deep way with others is that they make us feel trapped. If I carry around the story that I'm a, uh, a neurotic person, then I feel trapped. I feel, in a sense, uh, it's a, a given. I am basically giving myself permission not even to work, to remove... Uh, uh, experiences and proclivities that are causing me suffering, even though we know that we can, uh, from every clinical study, the brain is neuroplastic, we can change the way the brain behaves, and yet we tell these personality stories to create the illusion that we are stuck. And sometimes we don't realize it, but uh, we are, we use these negative stories about ourselves because we don't really want to deeply put the work in to change. When, when I was a kid, my mother, who was an expert on every, uh, my mom was Jewish, and she was an expert on every way to uh, install guilt, even when she had done the harm. <laughs> so when I would call my mother on on something that disappointed me, like she might forget of a, a uh, 
something that she promised to do. And I would say, Mom, you promised to do this. And she would go, you're right. I'm the worst mother ever. <laughs> I'm the most, you're right. I'm the most horrible. I'd be like, I don't recall saying that. No, no, no. <laughs> you're the most, I'm the most terrible. You're so unfortunate growing up in Manhattan. <laughs> You're so unfortunate. You, you have clothes. You have shoes. You have all the things that I didn't have as a child, an immigrant, but no. No, you haven't. I, I, I'm not saying any of this. I'm just saying. But anyway, <laughs> the point was she would um, she would uh, tell these, you know, uh, stories so that it would give her permission not to ever acknowledge or work on or try to uh, um, put more effort into these en endeavors. And I'm not saying I, I didn't have a wonderful mother. I really did. But um, it was, uh, you can see us doing this all the time. We know people who uh, can proclaim that they hate something about themselves, but they say it uh, in such a way that basically they're making it a um, something that they're condemned to live with. So this is why so many times personality view causes suffering. It makes us dis unconnected from others. It makes us not feel inclined to put in the real work it takes to change the tendencies with the Buddha called Anusayas, the proclivities that cause us suffering. So, um, I'd like to talk a little bit about some of the distinctions between useful personality view and unuseful, because the Buddha even though he said you cannot find a lasting personality or a lasting self, you can use these tendencies to tell story about, uh, stories about ourselves in a strategic way to uh, develop a sense of purpose in life or to change how we react in a more beneficial way to ourselves and to others. So I'm going to read you some of his uh, statements on this. Um, so first, the Buddha, in uh, the Majjhima Nikaya, which is his middle-length teachings, he talked about what are the unskillful times of types of self-view. And he said these are these... Uh, he says anything that... Uh, makes us wonder, what was I like in the past? Or thoughts about, what will I be like in the future? What will my life be like in the future? What is my true nature? How does my true nature compare to other people? Recognize any of these thoughts? So, uh, the Buddha goes on to say, these are a thicket of views. They don't lead anywhere useful. Uh, one of the most useless, the Buddha goes on repeatedly in the Dhammapada, is any worrying about what's normal or what fixating about what other people do. Uh, 
the Buddha said that it's a waste of time to worry about if people are better, worse, or the same, because that's all an illusion. Everything about us is changing, and everything about everybody else is undergoing changing. It's a complete waste of time to try to sit around and figure out if our behaviors are normal or not. What we should be asking is, do our behaviors cause suffering? That's the question. Not how well we compare with others. None of those questions need to be asked. Simply, are the ways I'm using my mind, are they creating suffering for myself or others in the long term? Or are they bringing about skillfulness? So, um, those are the types of questions. And all those types of self view thoughts or personality view thoughts, they all have one thing in question. They're based on speculation, guesswork. We really don't know what other people think about us, how we compare to other people, what's going to happen to us in the future. We really don't, we can't know those things. So getting caught up trying to figure them out is a complete and utter waste of valuable brains. And each of you have, by the way, more processing power than all the computers in the world added up. It's really true. You do with a human brain. So, but the good news is, is that if we're really caught up in the tendency of creating personality stories, there are skillful ways that we can work with this, this habit of telling stories about ourselves. And I'm going to read some other quotes from the Dhammapada. The Buddha says, by oneself, one is purified. No one else but yourself can purify you. So what he's trying to build here is a sense of empowerment. There's no speculation here. He's simply saying, each of us has the ability to change the thoughts we focus on. Even though sometimes thoughts arise that we didn't want, we get to determine where we focus our attention. And so we can determine if we're going to focus on the thoughts and the inclinations that cause us long-term feelings of isolation, sadness, disconnection, uh, lack of purpose, or if we want to focus on those reflections like we did in the meditation that build up a sense of connectedness and security and purpose. The Buddha goes on to give another type of of story we can think of. If anyone can achieve liberation, then I can too. There's nothing about you that's flawed or missing. You don't need anything right now. You're not missing anything right now to develop true, lasting happiness. So you're not missing anything. Align yourself with the principles of keeping the body calm, the mind-centered, awareness on the right things, and your effort consistent. And finally, it's up to each one of us to examine ourselves in terms of ease that we bring to life. So, again, the Buddha is essentially saying if we're using the stories we tell about ourselves strategically, we can empower ourselves For instance, you can use the story, I'm a Buddhist. So many people do. (laughs) 
it's New York, it's not Kansas, nobody will stone you here for that. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, you can use it, and if you use the story, I'm a Buddhist, to, uh, in that voice, I'm a Buddhist, to, uh, <laughs> to uh, meditate, to, uh, to, um, to uh, engage with others from a place of compassion and, and, and appreciation, then that's a skillful use of your personality story. But if, on the other hand, we use this, uh, I'm a Buddhist, to just create arguments. It's fun. It's fun. <laughs> now, what happens is we cause conflict, and then we develop a sense of agitation. I, I was thinking about, I've been an attendant for a lot of different Buddhist monks over the years, meaning you offer them food, you walk them around the city and stuff like that, and wherever you go, there's always, whenever they teach, there's always somebody that goes, bah, 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 as if the monk doesn't know a bit about Buddhism, but they, you know, there's all these other Buddhists that want to, you know, pick a fight. <laughs> and so they're not using their sense of uh, self, their sense of, of um, their personality to create a sense of belonging to other, other Buddhists. They're using it as a way to set themselves apart. So, so long as we are focused on using these stories, uh, another way of looking at it is, um, I read this um, paper, it was called, um, oh, I have the note here, um, this, uh, where's my note? <laughs> Uh, is this the note? No. Is that the note? Nope. All right. Uh, well, it, was, it had a wonderful name, this paper. And uh, it was something to do with... Uh, uh, the, the paper was on what they call fusion identity. And they found that in the West, people tend to identify themselves, build selves and personality stories based on their uniqueness the things that set us apart from everybody else. So we tend to focus in on our, A, we pathologize ourselves a lot. Well, you don't know, but I'm a bipolar uh, narcissist with, um, uh, with fluctuating tendencies of grandiosity and despair. And, uh, and then we also focus on, on our achievements. But, during, but despite these overwhelming odds, I managed to pick up snowboarding and uh, leaf trimming. I don't know what the fuck. You know. <laughs> what? What? What's the story of Jesus' life? I'm, telling, I'm sorry. I'm telling your story. All right. So, uh, so we tend to. That's what we focus on. Actually, in Eastern countries, they found that people, when asked to describe themselves, don't talk about the things that uh, set them apart as individuals, they actually tended to answer in terms of the things that created affiliations with groups. So somebody might answer, I'm of such and such a bloodline, uh, such and such a family, I live in such and such a providence, and I, I play for such and such a team, and I'm a member of this gardening group. So they would focus on uh, the things that made them feel more connected. And guess what? The incidences of depression and anxiety are incremental in comparison to ours. Now, that doesn't mean they got everything totally well. They, I mean, we're really good at some things. We're much better at establishing boundaries. 
in the West, if you've got, you know, shitty caretakers you grew up with, you're much more likely as you grow up an adult to say, you know what? I'm tired of you. I'm going off on my own. In the East, that doesn't happen anywhere near as much. They feel a, a, a very strong sense of affiliation. So it's much more difficult to um, break off, even from very destructive uh, groups or families. But in general, the more we define ourselves in terms of these unique stories or events or traumas, uh, from a perspective of um, of singular difference, the more we suffer again because it makes us isolated. So, part of the the core lesson here is that while you're going to do that anyway, no, let's face it, none of us are going to stop with those autobiographies. You're not. It's not like anything I'm going to say here is going to make you. You know, he's right. About <laughs> that, that long cherished, nurtured inner autobiography, my memoirs that I've been carrying around in my mind and in my journals and in my blog and on my computer, I'm going to throw that all away because after all, it's it's not really helping me. I'm just going to focus on the things that unite me with others. You're not going to do it. The point is, the point is, I, the point is just to rebalance. The point of all this stuff is just to get a little balance into our lives so that when we find ourselves in those states of depression and despair and darkness because we wound ourselves up with some story of difference to remember, oh, the suffering is not really coming from the fact that I'm different. I'm different. It's coming from the story. It's not the truth. It's an illusion. It's a story I'm telling. And that we have the opportunity... In those times when we're, we're reciting stories that I'm the only one not in a relationship. I'm the only one who uh, feels shy or whatever. Whenever we work ourselves up into that frenzy of self and personality, we actually do have a choice. Probably it's best to start when we're not caught up in those uh, plunging despair and work on it uh, throughout the course of our lives. Just experiment was strategically telling stories that will encourage us to be more compassionate with ourselves and others. To Rather than to launch into our normal tendencies of, well, I'm so hard on myself and I'm this and that and then follow through with the behaviors, to tell the story, I'm a very compassionate, kind person. And see what a change it brings into our behavior for the... the, the uh, the times that follow. So I hope that there was something of value in tonight's talk. I thank you for listening. If you do leave now, if you can remember to uh, contribute to the donation bowl, because we are always struggling to make the rent. And if you stay, now is the time where we can ask questions or shares and get uh, anything about uh, tonight's uh, talk. So thank you for listening. Hi. Hey, just a little more about what you were talking about at the beginning uh, of your talk.